Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Are you looking for a better and healthier pick-me-up during your day or before your workout? Give Neon Energy Drink a try. Neon provides a boost but without that unwanted crash and is formulated with natural sugars from 24% fruit juice concentrate, over 100% of six essential recommended B vitamins, and caffeine that is produced by natural green tea extract. So get a better boost from Neon Energy Drink today. Go to saradonafrio.bodybyebye.com and enter promo code 3941356 to place your order. Tuesday timeout here on NGSESports.com. I am your host, Jim. In a minute, we'll have our co-host, Andrew, on joining us. I just want to remind everyone about NGSESports.com. Make sure you visit the site for all the podcasts, all the written content, and much, much more at NGSC Sports. We never stop. You can hear all the shows not only on the main site, but by going to Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app and search NGSC. You can also find this show by going to your podcast store and searching Big Jim Sports. You can also hear this show on arenasportsnet.com Wednesdays at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. You can visit our show page directly at ngscsports.com slash big-jim-sports. Again, NGSC Sports. Find the show pages at the top, and it'll have all of our shows from the current month up on the site, on the show site directly. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Jim Sports, Facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports. Make sure you give us a like over there as well. And you can call into the show tonight if you want to, to talk about anything that, uh, that floats your boat, that piques your interest, by calling 724-444-7444. Again, 724-444. 7444 and use the call ID 135138 and follow the prompt. It is it is uh, Tuesday, July 28th, our last show in the month of July. I was off last week to uh, I was on vacation, so I want to thank Ralph and the and the team at NGSC for filling in for me. And uh, as you heard on the top of the show, we're doing the we're promoting the Neon Energy Drink. 
friends of mine, the Donofrios, are, are, are uh, a part of this. And also, they're doing something called the uh, Project 10 Challenge, also with Body by Vi. For every 10 pounds lost, if you join the challenge and track your weight, for every 10 pounds lost, Vizalis, who is a partner with Body by Vi, will donate 90 meals to hungry children. So for every 10 pounds lost, 90 meals will be donated to hungry children. Again, Sarah Donofrio dot body by vi dot com that is s a r a d o n o f r i o dot body by vi that's body by vi dot com and use promo code three nine four one three five six to place an order and to be a part of the project ten challenge that will help you it'll help hungry children everybody wins there and just one more announcement before we bring Andrew in. Next week on this show, in our opening segment, it is it is something that I'm very proud of, that I'm very excited for. Amy Van Dyken, former uh, Olympic swimmer, Olympic gold medalist, will be on this show in our opening segment. If it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't still be doing this show. Three years ago when I started podcasting on my own, I reached out to multiple sports radio hosts, national sports radio hosts, she was the only one that actually took the time to encourage me and to uh, give me advice on how to improve myself and improve my shows. So uh, I've, I actually reached out to her again to see if she would be on the show. She has agreed to it, and that is next Tuesday night, August 4th, right here on this show. And uh, I am very, very excited about that. Uh, now, finally, whew, all that stuff out of the way. Let's bring in our co-host, Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, Jim. I'm doing pretty good. It's been a while. It has been a while. I, uh, I think the last time uh, was either early July or end of June. We recorded uh, we recorded something together because I was going to be off on a Tuesday night. So that was the end of June. So, yeah, it's been, it's been about a month since we've had you on. Way too long, man. Way too long. Absolutely, getting back into the swing of things, and especially now that uh, that we're getting closer and closer to football season, finally. Uh, you said it. <laughs> these shows are gonna gonna really start to ratchet up. Gonna have plenty of stuff to talk about. You know, we, we always talk about the dead zone, the dead month. We, even though we're supposedly in the dead month, sports is definitely not uh, not giving us anything or lacked any topics. Here lately, and that's what we're going to talk about. Before we get into the first topic, though, the poll question for tonight, and we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll look at at that now. Is uh, Jen Welter, who was hired by the Arizona Cardinals, we'll get into the details of that story. But is her hiring by the Cardinals a long overdue step for necessary change in the NFL, or is it an isolated incident, Justin? Uh, responded to us on our Facebook page against us, facebook.com slash big gym sports. Uh, the, he said, can the answer be both? I think it's a great step towards opening minds and opportunities, but as of now, he thinks it's an isolated incident. He said it reminds him of Michael Sam, which is a great first step, but it doesn't mean doors are going to fly open. Uh, and Adam responded. Uh, he said, he thinks it's a, uh, he said it's not an isolated incident for him. He thinks we'll see more of it going forward. He also thinks it is a sign that female coaches can work in the men's game. It's slowly happening across sports, tennis, NBA, now NFL, and, of course, the NFL uh, also having its first female referee this year, uh, which we have already talked about on the show. 
Uh, so, Andrew, you and I will get into that in just a little bit. Thank you for the responses. But, again, uh, people can uh, tweet their responses to that question. Again, at Beijing Sports, you can call in 724-444-7444 with the call ID 135138. But, Andrew, the big topic of the day, of course, is Tom Brady, the NFL, the suspension. The suspension is being upheld. It uh, was announced today NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell has up- upheld the four-game suspension of Patriots quarterback Tom Brady over Deflategate. Um, the league said, quote, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell up- upheld today the four-game suspension imposed on New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady on May 11th. Uh, Brady's appeal from that discipline was heard for more than 10 hours on June 23rd. Um, so, yeah. The, it is being upheld. One of the things that the the league and Goodell cited uh, in one of the main reasons that the decision is upheld is because, um, as the NFL's uh, release said, quote, important new information disclosed by Brady and his representatives uh, came into play, and that was that on or shortly before March 6th, the day Tom Brady met with independent investigator Ted Wells and his colleagues, Brady directed that the cell phone he had used uh, for the prior four months had been destroyed. Uh, he did uh, so. He did so even though he was aware that the investigators had requested to access text messages and other electronic information that had been stored on that phone. During the four months the cell phone was in use, Brady had exchanged nearly 10,000 text messages none of which can now be retrieved from that device. The destruction of the phone was not disclosed until June 18th, almost four months after the investigators had first sought electronic information uh, from Tom Brady. So he destroys his phone, and that that's and I'm, I'm having a lovely lapse in uh, technology tonight as my, uh, my iPad screen is completely locked up. So I'm going to try and play off of most of my memory from reading off of this. And then I should say this first, that I am in no way, shape, or form a legal expert. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a sports guy. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a lawyer. I, I don't know the ins and outs of the law. However, me as a common person says, this is a NFL investigation. This is not a criminal investigation this is not a you know this is not the police requesting the information that is on said device this is the nfl and their investigation into a situation that happened in an nfl game requesting information off of somebody a player's personal phone to me as a common man andrew that that just doesn't add up to me it doesn't make sense to me why he should have to submit that device over to the NFL. No, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Um, you had, you know, pointed out on Twitter earlier today that, you know, you wouldn't give up your phone like that without being compelled to. A coworker of mine is actually heading back home to work up in New Hampshire. She said if our boss now had asked her for her phone, she absolutely would not give that up, and I wouldn't do that either. If, unless there's a court order or a subpoena or something to 
you know, require giving it up, you know, what, why should he have to give that up? And another point that I think a lot of people didn't really look at, Tom Brady is a celebrity. Maybe it is protocol for him that he destroys his old phones and anything else in SIM cards so nobody can have access to them. Just be, as a just as a security thing, you know, that might just be common protocol for him. I don't know if other celebrities do that, but I think that's something that should be kept in mind as well. Well, and, and and I think that, you know, that is a good thing to keep in mind, although I think I do remember reading somewhere today that he has a device that he had used prior to the device that he destroyed. So th- that okay. may not hold, that may not hold up. However, I mean, it, in, in my mind, it's not a bad practice to, um, you know, at least, at least destroy the memory portion of a device. I mean, you know, no matter, you know, if you're getting rid of a computer, you know, you, you, you can't completely wipe the contents of a hard drive. I mean, that's common computer knowledge, you know, so you don't want your personal information there. I mean, there's, I remember a, uh, like a Dateline episode or something that were like 60 minutes or something where they showed all of these old office copiers that had held countless people's personal information from copying legal documents on these copiers because the hard drives when that copy is made holds these things that even though it's not a computer there's still that memory intact so there's there's nothing wrong with destroying a device but 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 that's not even the issue uh that's not even the issue in, in question for me it, for me it still goes back to like like you said if if my employer or your employer or anyone's employer wants to take your personal device and access items off of that personal device over an investigation on something that happened at work. I'm going to at least do everything in my power to fight that until it is a until it becomes if it, it, if at that time it becomes a legal situation because I still have my rights. You know this this is still America. We still have our rights. And and not to make this into a political or, or you know constitution podcast, but but honestly, you know you you see the, this. You go on Facebook, you go on Twitter, you you know you hear people talk. You know you go to a restaurant, you can hear people talk about it, about oh we're losing this right, we're losing that right. The government's trying to take this. The government's trying to take that. We have to fight. We have to stand up for what is ours. But then they're they're sitting here, and the same people have turned around and said, what's Tom Brady trying to hide? He should just cooperate. He should just turn his device over. So, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense because people have this preconceived notion or, or a notion based on things that the Patriots organization have done in the past that Tom Brady is, is ultimately a cheater, a liar, a scumbag, a dirtbag, whatever. However, he still has the same rights that we do. So... It, it it always comes back to me this because basically from from again my common man mind I'm sitting here reading over this stuff today and I'm watching people react to it and the only thing I can go back to Andrew is this is that today we have learned nothing in in the NFL upholding the suspension we have learned nothing except that Tom Brady destroyed his cell phone. 
We have learned nothing as it pertains to the actual guilt of Tom Brady as it pertains to those footballs. And again, I guess it can go back to that device being destroyed, but we have learned nothing more today than we have known for weeks and months. So what information beyond a personal device that, in my opinion, shouldn't have even been part of this investigation, we have learned, you know, besides that device being destroyed, we have learned nothing beyond what we already know. Well, and that's exactly it. And you brought up a good point about rights. Um, you know, with Roger Goodell presiding over everything, I'm not really sure anybody thought Tom Brady was going to get a fair appeal anyway. I know the NFLPA didn't. That's why they were pushing so long to have Roger Goodell recuse himself and not be the arbitrator because basically at this point he's sitting there as the judge, the juror, and the prosecutor. I mean, Brady's completely screwed. I think Goodell, I don't, you know, I'm not really sure why this is the fight he really wants to go back to federal court for with all the rule changes that they're now making. To me, at least, that says, well, we didn't really have anything set up before. Something happened. We better do something now. And now they're trying to penalize him under a new protocol, which, again, doesn't even do anything saying, I, the player, did anything. This is just a new protocol to get the balls. It doesn't address players whatsoever. I read through the new protocols, and the players are completely cut out of it. This is more um, team personnel. I, this is... I, it's just utterly ridiculous. I, you know, the NFL seems to, to be turning into a rightsless monopoly with uh, Goodell as like a czar or something at this point. Yeah, it really is. On our Facebook page, uh, Justin, who chimed in on the on the poll question, also said that uh, you know something tells him the reason it took so long for the decision to be upheld is because the league was weighing its legal and financial options. They might lose. Maybe they figured it was worth it in a large context uh, to uh, you know to pursue this decision, knowing that it was going to go to federal court. Andrew, I, I pulled up. This is in in the kind of the, the clauses in these player contracts. Uh, a friend of mine, Chris, had sent this to me uh, as I was discussing this with him uh, this evening. Uh, and it under cl- clause 15, integrity of the game, it reads. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's a short paragraph. It says, player recognizes the detriment to the league and professional football that would result from impairment of public confidence in the honest and orderly conduct of NFL games or the integrity and good character of NFL players. Player therefore acknowledges his awareness that if he uh, accepts a bribe or agrees to throw or fix an NFL game, fails to promptly report a bribe offer or an attempt to throw or fix an NFL game, bets on an NFL game, knowingly associates with gamblers or gambling activity, uses or provides other players with stimulants or other drugs for the purpose of attempting to enhance on-field performance, or is guilty of any other form of conduct reasonably judged by the league commissioner to be detrimental to the league or professional football, the commissioner will have the right, but only after giving the player opportunity for a hearing at which he may be uh, represented by counsel of his choice to fine a player in a reasonable amount or to suspend a player, or excuse me, to suspend a player uh, for a period certain or indefinitely 
and or to terminate the contract. Um, you know, so so basically, I mean, this is kind of things we already knew would kind of be there, but that's that's the official language there. So I guess the NFL is trying to make its point that obviously deflating of footballs, uh, you know, it goes against the integrity of the game and also uh, tampering, I guess, with the evidence surrounding that investigation could therefore be a part of this uh, integrity of the game situation. So really, Andrew, now the question is, where do we go from here? What, what happens now? Uh, and of course, you know, Brady, it doesn't help his case that he did admit to, um, to, to that he, he destroyed this cell phone. How, but now he is, uh, he is authorized the NFL Players Association to go to federal court, which, uh, which we all knew when this decision came out that that was going to be the next step. How long will that process take? No one knows at this point. And, and, and the bottom line is, you know, as of right now, Tom Brady is suspended for the first four uh, Patriots games this season. Uh, he is going to, you know, they're going to send it to federal court. Uh, he, most likely him and his legal team will try to get an injunction, which will likely try and keep him on the field for at least game number one. Um, you know, and I've heard scenarios, Andrew, from guys like Mike Florio and others that you're looking at a situation here where depending how long the, the process takes the, and, and, and to go through the court system because, you know, you, you, you have to find the right person that is going to hear this case, that cares enough to hear this case, and then to get it prioritized and into the court system. So there's a, there's a realistic situation here. And, and just play with this one for a minute and, and imagine how much that the, the patriot-hating um, sector of the sports world would go crazy for this. Where, uh, so so the, let's say they, they find out that the federal court uh, is going to hear this case in March of next year. So Tom Brady and his team file an injunction to say, look, until this goes through, um, there is no grounds to keep me suspended. So they rule in Tom Brady's favor. Tom Brady plays this entire season. The Patriots go on. Let's say they win the Super Bowl again this upcoming season. Tom Brady at the end of the year says, you know what? Um, I've won all these Super Bowls. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire on top. I'm done playing football, and Tom Brady retires. March rolls around. They, they find out he's guilty. I mean, so you're you're in a situation where then he's done. He's out. He's out of the league. He's done playing, and and, and then you finally found out that that he did do it. That he is responsible or something like that. Could you imagine the 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 backlash from the patriot hating world if that happened? You know, I've been wondering from the start if something like that was eventually going to happen. I mean. It, we all know federal court doesn't move much faster than a two-week dead snail's pace. Um, you know, so I I was actually kind of wondering if he would end up kind of using that to keep playing and then right off into the sunset and let it fight itself out on its own later. Uh, that has actually crossed my mind a couple times. That, you know, what if that's what happens? I absolutely would love to watch all the uh, Patriot-hitting fans out there have to gnash their teeth over that one because, <laughs> you know, I, it, it's ridiculous. 
that it's even going this far. The fact that Roger Goodell is even willing to put himself out in front of federal court again, where even if he's like, even if he, even if the NFL wins, I'm not even really sure that they win that much, you know, in the court of public opinion on top of it. it it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't had the best history when it come to that. And, and, you know, so many times has Roger Goodell, uh, you know, and the NFL ruled on something under Goodell's watch uh, only to have it kind of blow up in his face, um, you know, in, in the weeks and months following that. Uh, and I also see the reaction from people saying that, uh, you know, well, well, what Brady did, you're saying it's equal to what Greg Hardy did and it's worth no. People, people need to stop, you know, comparing things that are completely different from one another. I mean, to, to, to try and even imply that the, that the NFL is saying that A is equal to B is equal to C um, is, is absolutely ludicrous. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't like that, uh, that, that people are trying to make that, that comparison. And it kind of, in my opinion, just makes them sound silly. And, and, and I, the, the thing I don't want people to think here either, though, Andrew, is that I am a Brady sympathizer, that I am a patriot apologist, because it's not that. If Tom Brady did indeed have something to do with this, then by all means he should be held accountable. But every single person, regardless of whether you like them or not, deserves the right to be able to fight and defend themselves in any type of situation. They have the right and ability to try and clear their name. And to me, that's all Tom Brady is doing here. It's no different than you or I would do if we were in a similar situation at a place that you or I worked. I mean, this isn't, this isn't something like Brady just trying to take the high road. I mean, if, if he is saying that he is innocent here, and, and I, I believe that's what he's trying to say, because otherwise I think there would have been some sort of attempt to try and come to a happy medium of one or two games because i've said that on this show in the past that i thought that tom brady would end up getting a one or two game suspension if anything that the league and the players association the people representing both sides would have settled in on a shorter suspension but there became a point when it was very very clear that tom brady wasn't going to be wasn't going to be settling on that and that, to me, says this guy is saying he is innocent, and he has every right. And there's that word again. And, and I'm, and I'm going to keep saying it because that's the thing. He has the right to try and make the point that he is innocent. If through that process, similar to that of a, of a criminal course, because, but that's not what this is, but similar to that, when you had the chance to defend yourself and you put yourself at the mercy of a federal judge or a, a court or what, ha, what have you, if it is found that you are guilty, it is found that you did wrong, then by all means, punish it. Four games, six games, eight games, ten games, whatever, as it said right there in that player contract, whatever you deem fit, whatever you deem okay, then by all means go for it. But until you do that, until you go through the process, this isn't being an apologist. I would be saying this if it were, you know, if it were an Eagles player, if it were Sam Bradford or or whoever on the Eagles or on the Giants or on the Steelers, teams that I despise. 
It has nothing to do with fandom. It has nothing to do with bias. Because I, I'm not afraid to be shy about the teams that I like, but I'm also going to call things as I see them. And in this case, Brady should have every right to defend his name and try to clear his name if indeed he is not guilty. Absolutely agree with you 100%. Everybody has their rights, and, you know, these need to not be impinged. Um, we'll see how it's going to play out, you know. Uh, all I have to say is to all the Pittsburgh Steelers fans that are jumping with joy to get a rookie quarterback, don't jump for joy until uh, it's the first game of the season and uh, Tom Brady's not out there throwing the football. Plenty of things can happen between now and then. Right, exactly. I mean, it's July 28th. There's, there's what, a month and a half between, or, or a month, at least five weeks uh, until that first game. So uh, as we've seen, you know, a lot can change in 24 hours. A lot can change in 48 hours. So plenty can change in the next five to six weeks. So, uh, you know, don't, don't, be, don't be celebrating yet, Pittsburgh. Don't be celebrating it because, I mean, here's the thing. As a Cowboys fan, I should be, I should be celebrating. I should be applauding this decision. Why? Because guess who the Patriots' fourth game of the season is? The Cowboys. So why would I be so why would I be cheering for it to no bring the suspension down to two games? I want to I want to play against Tom Brady in his second week back when he's going to be pissed off at the league. Quite frankly, as I was tweeting about it today, a friend I graduated high school with, we kind of were talking about the fact that you know for for the Colts, who ironically enough are the team at the other half of this controversy. Um, they're going to be the team that's probably going to get the worst of this because they're the team that got smoked by the Patriots in that AFC championship game where the deflated balls didn't freaking matter to begin with. And then you're looking at the situation where Tom Brady is going to be coming out of a four-week suspension. You don't know what the standings are going to look like, but you know he's going to want to start with the pedal to the freaking floor. And the, the Colts team, which... You know, I don't think is much better. I'd have to look at the the rosters and really break that down. But I don't think they're going to be much better better in their secondary now than they were in that AFC Championship game. And you're going to try and stop an angry Brady. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's not going to. Yeah, the Colts are. They better be ready to run, run hard, and run for the entirety of that game because. Tom Brady is going to put on an aerial assault that is that would scare any surviving, you know, that would have scared worse than the Confederates trying to charge up the hill at Gettysburg. It's going to be pretty <laughs> ugly. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, Andrew. And, and you know, if anyone's out there and, and they want to call in, we'll take calls on this topic the entire night because it's definitely the the biggest thing in, in sports right now. So, uh, you know, feel free. The number is on all the tweets at Big Jim Sports. You can go to Facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports or call directly 724-444-7444 and use the call ID 135138. Hit the pound key, follow the prompt, and we'll get you on. But, Andrew, a, a, a much better story, a much more uplifting story, if you will, uh, coming out of Arizona today, uh, or actually yesterday, uh, that, that Jen Welter, who uh, was a one-time collegiate rugby player, for, played 14 seasons professional football, mostly in the Women's Football Alliance, um, is now a part of the Arizona Cardinals coaching staff. 
Um, this, this, this quite frankly is a, is, is a great story. Um, you know, she, she's been a great story her entire, uh, career. Uh, but, but the fact that she is now the first female coach in NFL history, um, of any kind is, is just a fantastic step in the right direction. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm not really surprised Arizona is where it started. I mean, that's kind of, you know, looking at the kind of person Bruce Arians is, I, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. I'm really excited about this. It, you know, the NFL is, you know, stuck in the stone age. I think it, they need to get, they need to get more women infused it throughout the game. You know, not necessarily players. I, you know, men are built differently. Not saying a woman couldn't go play football with the men, but I don't, you know, I, I don't think that's as likely to go well. But, you know, why not as coaches? Why not as strength trainers, as referees? Um, I I think it's wonderful. I'm glad it's finally happening. I think it's going to be like a color barrier in baseball. I think it's going to take years before you could see it at the, you know, across the whole league. But, you know, somebody has to be the first person, and bravo, it's a, it's about time that first person's finally here. Right, absolutely. Back at the uh, – in the coaches' meetings back in March – um, someone asked Bruce Arians about the possibility of female coaches in the NFL. He said, "Quote: The minute they can prove they can make a better, uh, make a better, a player better, excuse me, they'll be hired." And uh, and and sure enough, just a few months later, uh, the the Cardinals and Bruce Arians uh, put, hire a a female on their staff. Um, she now she is uh, g- going to be working uh, as a uh, training camp slash preseason intern, uh, specializing in, in for, with the inside linebackers. Um, you know, but but again, like, like we said, this this is just kind of that first step in, and, and I think that not only will she uh, expand her role at some point, whether it's this year or next year, um, whether it's with the Cardinals or not. I mean, her her resume is is absolutely outstanding. Um, she played uh, many years, like I said, in the um, with uh, the Dallas Diamonds, the Dallas Dragons. Uh, she was a member of the uh, Team USA at the International Federation of America uh, American Football's Women World Championship in 2010-2013. Um, she graduated from Boston College with a master degree in sports psychology uh, and a PhD in psychology from Capella University. So I mean, it, it, she knows the game of football. She has spent time on the sidelines uh, with a linebackers coach for the uh, indoor football league Texas Revolution uh, earlier this season, making her the first women's coach uh, to coach in a men's professional football league. And uh, the uh, that was a team that last year had uh, signed her as a running back. She was the second female player. Uh, for a position other than kicker or a place kicker holder for a men's professional team, and she was the first uh, to ever play running back in a men's league. So, I mean, it, it is it, the, the resume is there. I mean, I've seen so many people, uh, you know, saying, well, "Well, what's her resume, or what's this, and what's the... look at it." Just take the time to do a little research. I mean, and 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 she she does deserve this. She absolutely does. And in her uh, introductory press conference today, uh, in part, she said, quote, I didn't even dream that it was possible. And I think the beauty of this is that 
though it's a dream I, I sorry, if, although it's a dream I never had, now it's a dream that other girls can have. I guess if that makes me a trailblazer, then I am honored. Uh, so a very, very cool thing. And, uh, you know, this is something that I, obviously there is somewhat of a change in the in the NFL and in the way things are uh, are, are are being done, and and I think that's a I think that's a huge thing, and and in relations to our poll question, is this is this something that is kind of a of a of a change? Is it signaling a change, or is it an exception to an outdated rule? Um, I, I kind of agree with what Justin said that in the short term, you know, it, it's not like every team is going to hire a woman. Every team's going to, you know, blow the doors open and fire this position coach or that position coach or the, you know, minute they need a new position coach. It doesn't mean they're going to go hire a woman. That's not what we're going to see. But it is, I think, the, uh, the, the, the first step in, in a long line of, um, of, being, uh, of, of being part of a, long drawn out culture change in the NFL. Andrew, your thoughts on the poll question. Well, I you know what? I think Justin makes a lot of really good points. It's you know, it's like I said when we opened the topic. You know, if you look at baseball and the color barrier, it wasn't instantaneous. It took a while. Um I don't have the number in front of me, but I think it took at least five to ten years before the entire league was integrated. Um, he's right. Look at Michael Sam. It was a good first step. Doesn't mean everybody's going to be hired. And, you know, some spots, you know, some coaches may not be comfortable, and that's fine. It's what this what this is going to open up with Jen being hired by the Cardinals. Now that somebody has done it, it's going to cause more teams to stop and look, and look more at a woman's resume when she submits it for any kind of a coaching job or something like that. And that's what ne- and that's the most important first step to take. And with that first step, you know, it's going it's to bring about good and needed change. Actually, hey, maybe at this rate we can have Roger Goodell kicked out and put a woman in his spot because, let's face it, a woman would have handled all this much better than he has. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you or I or anyone could probably do uh, at least the same job that he's done. Uh, probably couldn't do much worse than Roger Goodell's done. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's it's something that you know, it's it, nothing nothing changes overnight. But what has to happen is the is the first the first step has to has to has to be taken. And like Michael Sam, this with Jen Welter, I think, is the correct step in the right direction for the NFL. Andrew, let's let's keep rolling through these NFL topics. And again, you can tweet your thoughts. We got one question that's uh, going to be relating to a topic that we're going to be talking about in just a little bit. So we will get to that uh, in in relation to a uh, story out of the pro wrestling world. But we'll hang on to that until we get there. Just a few more NFL stories. Um, the NFL doing there's normal little sneaky tricks that they like to do, and in, in hiding stories, uh, you know, uh, when, whenever there's big news breaking, they they try and sneak things in. So, of course, when the Tom Brady news broke today, they tried to sneak in and figured we wouldn't pay attention to it. But that's not how I operate here, NFL. Like, I have my eyes on you. Um, <laughs> the the Pittsburgh Steelers running back, Le'Veon Bell, who, uh, going back to the uh, the marijuana arrest, uh, or excuse me, the yeah, the arrest 
last August charge of DUI and marijuana possession. The three-game suspension that he was set to have through the appeal process has been now reduced to two, um, which I am okay with. I have, you know, three games, two games, the number didn't really have any um, – really didn't affect me in either way, didn't get a reaction out of me uh, in either way. But, Andrew, here again we're looking at a situation where uh, how many times are we continuing to talk about um, the NFL having to reduce the suspension number? I mean, this is just one of countless number of instances over the last couple of years where they just uh, always have to reduce the number. Is it that they're getting it this wrong or they're just trying to appease the NFL and NFL PA? Well, at this point, for all of the drug-related stuff, at least, why isn't there a standard set? Why isn't there, you know, first suspension for, like, let's look at marijuana. Let's say first time, you know, maybe a one-game suspension, second time, three games, you know, gradually increase or something like that. Why not? You know, it, yeah. There's something they have to figure something out. <laughs> you would you would think so. I mean, you know, and 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 here's the here's the problem too. As more and more states begin to legalize marijuana, you know, does the NFL have a situation where you know they need to allow their players to do it as long as they don't appear intoxicated? Um, you know, at practice uh, or especially during games. I mean, like their time is their time because as long as they're not drunk, alcohol is legal. So these these players are allowed to drink. But, you know, maybe that's something that's going to need to be evaluated too as the policies in our country about marijuana use start to get, uh, you know, changed as well. But, yeah, I don't understand why, you know, if you get popped for marijuana, it's one game or two games. If you get popped for you know, cocaine, it's four games. If you get popped for, you know, X, Y, and Z, it's this number of games. Why does the NFL not have a policy for that? Because honestly, you know, I'd be willing to bet that over the course of a season, uh, you have the majority of most of your, uh, most of your suspensions, most of the, the, the problems from a disciplined standpoint uh, uh, with the league are going to be surrounded around this, these general topics. And the NFL just—it feels like they're just throwing darts at a wall. Yeah, I don't know about darts and wall. I think uh, I, I think one of those medieval tricks where you have somebody tied to the spinning wheel and you're throwing knives is a little more accurate. Uh, until they have something standardized, every single suspension for everything will always be questioned, will always be appealed. And in the case of the more extreme things where there's no policy set and we're just going to blindly jump into it, it's going to keep going to federal court. I mean, this is not going to change until this is standardized. And I don't understand why this hasn't been done in one of the last couple rounds of bargaining with the CBA. I don't think the Players Association likes looking like the bad guy having to appeal everything, you know, that the NFL does on behalf of the players, but because there's no standards, they are forced to continuously do so. Now, 
granted, the NFL may have said it like that on purpose to try and make the NFLPA look like the bad guys, but the point still stands, you know, that there needs to be a standardization, a scale. There needs to be something that is written out so everybody knows what's going on. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. And, and um, you know, so what we know now is Le'Veon Bell is suspended for two games. Uh, and like we said earlier, Tom Brady has, uh, has been upheld at four. But uh, that is obviously not set in stone yet uh, because there's much of a process uh, yet to uh, go through. Uh, we have a caller coming in. I think this is Mitch. Mitch, is this you, bud? Hey, Big Jim. This is uh, Mitch and Mendham. Uh, I want to talk uh, the NFL with you. Yeah, go ahead, man. What's on your mind? Um, you know, uh, I was going to give my two cents on the flake gate. I think everything's been said. You know, some the, there's a case that Brady could have done things differently. There's a case that the NFL could have done things differently. And I guess uh, the federal court will decide. But I wanted to talk about uh, this upcoming season because I'm one of the rare people who doesn't want to talk about the flake gate. I'd rather talk about, like, who's going to win the Super Bowl. Um, and it pains me to say it, but I think the Cowboys are my favorite to win it all. Do you think they can win it all this year? I absolutely think they can. I, I, you're, you know, you look at a team that a year ago, um, you know, it was one play or one call, depending on your opinion about it, uh, away from beating a Packers team. Uh, and, and then they would have obviously been in a game with Seattle, who they had beaten earlier in the year. And I think they would have matched up against New England. So you have – you know, you have that team. You still have Romo. You have Dez, is, you know, got his contract. The offensive line has has more depth than it had a year ago. Um, the, the running back situation concerns me a little bit uh, just because there is uncertainty on whether or not, um, you know, I, I don't think McFadden is going to be the starter. I think he's going to be kind of a, a fill-in type of guy. So can Joseph Randall um, lead that team? How's the right. two or th- three three-headed monster going to work? And and the defense, I mean, there's still questions about it, but they have to be better than a year ago. It's been a, it's been a process. Uh, so can the Cowboys win? Absolutely. I I mean I I don't know that I'm going to. Um, I don't like to. All, I I never like to pick them because being a Cowboys fan, I think people would would kind of write me off as a homer. But I I, I don't I don't necessarily at least right now. Um, you know, a month away or so from the start of the season. But they're definitely a team that has to be uh, on the radar as a team that has a has a very good chance at competing for uh, for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you brought up good points. People ripped the defense last year, but they've added Gregory, the corner from UConn. Uh, they added uh, Greg Hardy. Say what you want about Greg Hardy. He's a terrific football player. Uh, my second point here is what are your sleeper teams? My two are Oakland, who in the post-Al Davis era have actually, I think, made some good moves between David Carr, Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack. And my other sleeper team is Minnesota. I think with Bridgewater, Mike Wallace, Adrian Peterson coming back, I think those are two teams that haven't been competitive in forever that are going to be competitive this year. Who are your sleeper teams? Oh, those are definitely two solid teams. I think the Raiders might still be a year or two out, but I, I do right. I do think that, that the, the things they have been doing over the last couple of years, like you said, post-Al Davis, have been some very smart football moves. Um, yeah, Minnesota's a team that's on the rise. If, if I had to pick one right now, and again, I haven't done as much uh, uh, research yet as, as I will once camps get rolling, 
But but I said it when Rex Ryan got hired in Buffalo and the, the guys they started putting in place there that I think that's a team that you can't sleep on. They had one of the best defenses in the league a year ago. That You know, you bring McCoy up there. Sammy Watkins is only going to be better. The question there is quarterback um, and, and, and how can the, the rest of the offense fill around a talent like Sammy Watkins and now with McCoy. Um, I mean, Rex Ryan knows how to coach, you know, and, and he, the situation he had in New York uh, with the Jets wasn't always the best. Well, you know, we, 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 can't, we can't disguise that at all. So, um, and you're also in a situation, again, where if that four-game suspension with Tom Brady holds up, where are the Patriots going to be after the first four games? You know, you know, can they beat up on the yeah, Jets? I think, can they, can, I think they have can to they, play Buffalo one, yeah, in that yeah, time period. So, so the, the, the Bills, if I had to pick one sleeper team right now, uh, sitting here on July 28th, I, I've been, you know, kind of on their bus since the minute uh, Rex Ryan got hired, and it would be Buffalo. All right, yeah, just one last, uh, one last quick point. Uh, what's your Super Bowl pick, winner, loser? I'm going to say two teams I absolutely hate, Dallas and Baltimore, and I'm going to pick uh, – Dallas 2017. Well, I, I, I can't say I, I can't say I'd argue with you on that one, Mitch. Uh, no, if, if I look at it, um, you know, a, a team that I hate, and again, it's it's a team that is going to drastically change in a year or two. But you know, I'd have to put Seattle as a team to come out of the NFC. I don't see any reason why they're not not the team to beat coming out of there, especially with the addition of Jimmy Graham. Uh, which has a whole new scary element to that team. Um, in the AFC, mm, that's actually a really tough one, it, depending how they navigate the early part of the season. I, I don't necessarily want to go back to what we saw a year ago, but um, you know, I'd almost say New England because, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're a pretty similar team to a year ago and, and, Maybe Indy. I mean, and Indy was right up there, obviously in the AFC Championship. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bust right. New England out. I'm actually gonna say Indy because I think they've done at least a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe they'll be a little more prepared this year. And if I had to pick a winner, um, much like you, I don't like to say it, but I'm gonna say Seattle will probably get a. You know, at this point, I'll say Seattle, but that's not my official one. I'll obviously get to that uh, early September when I make my official prediction. All right, yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, I think my, my Steelers are content, but uh, we'll see, and uh, thanks for taking my call, Jim. All right, Mitch, thanks a lot. Thanks for the call, and yep. thanks for listening. It's a good call there, and, and um, yeah, it, it's so hard for me, like I said, because I haven't uh, I haven't made, uh, really looked into rosters, and, you know, so many things changed through training camp, but, uh, but a good call there, and, again, thanks to Mitch for that. Uh, Andrew, the, the NFL, uh, was it yesterday or today? I guess it was yesterday. Uh, they said that NFL officials will keep closer tabs on football inflation this year. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Um, pre-game <laughs> pressure readings will now be documented. There'll be random halftime and post-game rechecks as, uh, reported by Fox Sports and other outlets. Uh, the new procedures also state that footballs will remain under the watch of NFL officials who will inspect each one and deliver them to a kicking ball coordinator who will take the uh, chain of custody of all footballs until 10 minutes before kickoffs. Footballs will continue to be required to have at least 12.5 pounds per square inch of air and no more than 13.5 PSI. If a ball falls outside those numbers, uh, the air pressure must be adjusted. It will be adjusted to 13 PSI. So, Andrew, I can't remember if it was you, but back when this whole deflate gate 
situation was going on. I think I, I think I, I said it on the show. I said, why doesn't the NFL just take control of the football? Why are you leaving it up to AFC team and NFC team? Just why, why doesn't the NFL just say, you know what? We already have, what is it, 11 referees on the field. We're going to add a 12th one, and they're going to be football referee. They're going to be the guy that makes sure all the balls are within regulation, and they are the ones that relay them to the teams and to the ball boys, to the equipment staff on the sideline. But there's always somebody watching those footballs, making sure they're not being tampered with. That is the most logical thing. It takes it out of the hands of these equipment guys to, you know, to, to do anything illegal to them. Yeah, I think it was me that said something like that, too, because, well, Jim, you and I are using logic. This is something that I don't think has ever penetrated the minds of the uh, up-and-ups in the NFL before. Well, that's true. I mean, isn't this common sense? Even in baseball, I mean, after the uh, after the head ump, you know, rubs the mud and everything, it they stay under fairly close watch and key because, you know, pitchers are sneaky little shysters trying to get every edge that they can. Um, why the NFL hadn't had this implemented a while ago, especially after they allowed quarterbacks to specify PSI before the game, you know, I don't know why they didn't look ahead and think, oh, somebody might try to do something, but, you know. That's neither here nor there now, I guess. Although, I, you know, if it were me personally and I'm uh, part of Brady's defense team, I'm kind of wondering, hey, if they're only just now doing that, again, why should I be punished if they didn't even have rules set to protect it in the first place? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it and maybe that is the problem. And, and they, you know, I know I've been uh, been accused of being too logical about things before, and this is uh, – this is another one of those instances. But, uh, you know, it's at least good to see that the NFL has taken what has been a ridiculously long and ridiculously annoying scandal and actually is, is changing the game or at least changing a policy, uh, at least as it appears, in a positive nature to avoid this in the future. And that is a good thing. Just two more quick. Uh, these ones are actually really feel-good stories, Andrew. I don't know if you remember um, over the last couple of years, the uh, the story of uh, a, a young man, uh, Frankie Grizzle, also known as Red Lightning, the uh, the ball boy equipment manager uh, for the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, it looks like he is uh, moving up to the NFL. He tweeted out a few days ago, a new journey begins today, training camp with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, so it looks like he is, uh, you know, at least doing something uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but but it was a feel good story. It was a, it was a guy that you know. Uh, so many times we have uh, been very critical of Florida State, but you saw a team rally around uh, rally around this guy, and um, you know now he's uh, looks like he's working in the NFL. So uh, congratulations to Red Lightning. Absolutely, there aren't enough good feel good stories, especially when uh, news like this breaks today. Glad to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. And the last one is something actually my wife uh, brought to my attention. Uh, running back Jamal Charles, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, spoke at a Special Olympics event uh, on Saturday night. And something that, that I didn't know, I wasn't aware of, uh, and part of uh, during his speech, he said, quote, when I was 10 years old, I had a ch- chance to compete in the Special Olympics. That's right. The Special Olympics gave me my first chance to discover a talent I did not know I had. 
When I competed in the Special Olympics, I just I found out just how fast I was. I stood high on the podium getting the uh, gold medal in track and field. When I found out how fast I was, I was blessed with a new company. The, the company turned to courage, the courage to be the best that I can be every day. Now, once again, I'm proud to take uh, the athlete oath in the part of every Special Olympics. My fellow, fellow athletes, those, those here with me on stage and those thousands in front of me and around the world, I invite you to say the oath with me. And then he uh, goes on to say, he actually had found out, I guess, that he had a, uh, some sort of a, uh, a learning disability in, in trouble reading, and uh, people would make fun of him and stuff. So, you know, you look at a guy who, um, you know, is, is really one of the top performing running backs in the NFL and, and something you would have never have guessed that, uh, that, that he had competed in that at a younger age. Just a, a great, great story, and, and it really awesome for him to speak out and, and say, look, you know, uh, and not shy away from it, not be embarrassed by it, and to be so proud and to, to be a role model for others, not only for those, you know, that, that compete in the Special Olympics, but for everybody. Because at some point, everybody, you know, has been bullied, has been made fun of, have, have been told even that your dreams can't be realized, but he's one that, can, that stands there and is proving that, yes, they can. If you set your mind to it and you set your goals, nobody can stop you. So just a very, very cool thing uh, for Jamal Charles. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Um, I, I never would have guessed it looking at, you know, looking at his performance today and everything out, you know, that's, that's just so fantastic. And you know what, it, you know, what, with everything he said to the, uh, to the athletes there, you know, this is why bullying needs to stop. You know, why was, you know, people were bullying Jamal Charles over such a stupid, stupid thing. You know, let's, you know, let's add this more to the, you know, more fuel to the fire to stop that. It, it needs to go. Yeah, absolutely. It it, it really does. It, it's a, it's a disgusting thing. Um, you know, it, it, it's one thing to, um, you know, if, you know, for friends to kind of pick on each other, but when it gets, it gets to a disgusting point, it gets to an inappropriate point. That's where it needs to stop. And more people, more teachers, more, you know, whoever it is, need to be able to step in and, and stop bullying when it's happening. But uh, very cool for Jamal Charles to step up and be somebody that people can look up to. Uh, Andrew, we're here at the bottom of the hour. Just going to take a quick break here on the other side. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about this Hulk Hogan situation, some college football, baseball, and uh, so, some other things. So uh, just hang on. Uh, on the other side of the break, we'll have the second hour of the Tuesday timeout here on NGSCSports.com. Are you looking for a better and healthier pick-me-up during your day or before your workout? Give Neon Energy Drink a try. Neon provides a boost but without that unwanted crash and is formulated with natural sugars from 24% fruit juice concentrate, over 100% of six essential recommended B vitamins, and caffeine that is produced by natural green tea extract. So get a better boost from Neon Energy Drink today. Go to saradonafrio.bodybyebye.com and enter promo code 3941356 to place your order.
Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Tuesday Timeout here live on NGSCSports.com. I am your host, Big Jim. We have Andrew uh, on the line with us. Just remind everyone about NGSCSports.com. Check out the site for all the podcasts, all the written content, and much, much more. Visit NGSCSports.com for all of that. You can podcast this show directly by searching Big Jim Sports in your podcast store, whether it's on uh, Android or Apple devices. Uh, you can find them on both. Again, search Big Jim Sports in your podcast store. And just a reminder, again, next Tuesday night in our opening segment, Amy Van Dyken is going to be on the air with me. I'm uh, going to talk to her about so much stuff, uh, and, and it is a huge, huge, awesome chance uh, for me to, uh, to thank and to uh, interview a person that has been so instrumental in my journey to have this show and to improve it at all times. So, Andrew, um, a big story coming out of professional wrestling. Usually I don't talk professional wrestling on this show because I have a Thursday night pro wrestling podcast on NGSC Sports called Three Count Thursday. But this is something that is kind of stretched beyond the world of professional wrestling. It's been talked about on CNN. It's been talked about on MSNBC and much, much more. Uh, the Hulk Hogan fired from the WWE because uh, there was things that he said on um, uh, door, as part of a, a sex tape that came out, uh, I guess was being released by the website Gawker a few years ago that he is now suing Gawker, and now portions of dialogue from, uh, from him and the female in this tape, uh, racist remarks, homophobic remarks uh, that, that have since come out. Hulk Hogan uh, not uh, looking great in the limelight uh, here, obviously fired, removed completely from the WWE and their website. Uh, we had a question come in, and Andrew, we'll get your thoughts on this situation here in a moment. Uh, Anthony uh, Marchetto tweets into the show. He says, why does Hulk Hogan get the flack for being racist and not Terry Balea? I don't see folks turning into, uh, tuning into Seinfeld calling Kramer a racist. And that, of course, is reviewing, uh, referring to Michael Richards' outback a few years ago um, when he was on stage doing stand-up. And here's the reason why I think that um, people sometimes tend to forget that and this is my opinion. I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. People tend to forget that pro wrestling is an act. Pro wrestling is, in theory, live action theater. It's, it's, it's people portraying characters. Um, you know, when you see Terry Bollea, you see Hulk Hogan. You think Hulk Hogan. And I get that, you know, if you see Michael Richards, you will probably think Kramer. But people know that Seinfeld is a TV show. People know that Full House is a TV show, that, uh, you know, Bob Saget is not Danny Tanner. When, you know, you, you, the list goes on. Whenever you see a TV show, you, you know that those people are actors. People sometimes forget because, you know, athletes are athletes. Des Bryant is Des Bryant. If Des Bryant is caught saying something, it's Des Bryant. If you know, LeBron James is, is overheard or, you know, tweets something inappropriate, then, you know, pe- people know that it's LeBron James. So because, and, and this is where it always gets funny to me, you know, because Anthony brings up a great point. Why is it not Terry Bollea getting the flack at Hulk Hogan? Everybody wants to talk about how pro wrestling is fake. 
Um, which tell that to John Cena, who got his nose broken in the ring last night, but that's irrelevant. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but, but people, you know, want to talk about how fake it is, but when there's a real-life situation with a real-life person, people forget that it's, quote, fake, and that it's an act, that it's characters that are being portrayed by wrestlers who are also acting at the same time. Um, so, Anthony, why is Hulk Hogan getting the flack and not Terry Bollea? Because people don't know how to separate the two um, like they do with, with actors such as Michael Richards uh, from Seinfeld. I, I think that's what it is. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this, uh, on this whole situation? Well, uh, number one, I think it's really sad. Right, you know. He should, you know, he should have thought about, you know, what he was saying and that he was saying it, you know, in a public area. I mean, this isn't like the Donald Sterling thing where it was a private conversation that got leaked out for the world to hear that, you know. This well, no, was, no, no. When, when he said it, this, this was, this was like bedroom talk on this sex tape. I mean, oh, this, this, yeah, oh. this, this, this is what he had thought was private conversation but it has oh, been released geez. yeah 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 well then in that case well um you know in that case uh, you know i i, I kind of feel as bad for him as i did for uh donald sterling i mean you know you should have some privacy rights to your own you know to your home to your areas but you know, again, if you're, you know, if you're also um, a celebrity of any kind, you know, you have to expect that someone's going to try and get dirt, even if it was just, hey, I heard from this person and it passed through. But, you know, it, it's really sad. But, you know, at WWE and everyone else, they did what they had to do. I, If I was in charge, I, I can't say I wouldn't have done the same thing. I mean, he is such a public face. Everybody knows Hulk Hogan. I I don't really follow wrestling much at all. I know who Hulk Hogan is. I I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone that didn't. And you know because of that, I mean, it, you know, they did what they had to do. It's you know, it's just all in all, it, it's a sad situation. And you know, I I'm kind of with you on the whole Hulk Hogan versus. Uh, you know, a stand-up comedian and entertainer. Although I have to say, uh, for Bob Saget, I think you could also remember him as the voice of Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother as well. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it, it's an unfortunate situation all around. I mean, being a, a lifelong wrestling fan, um, you know, to to have this, and and I and I talked about it. Uh, one of my co-hosts uh, from for Three Count Thursday, uh, Matt and I did a, a live show on Sunday night that kind of talking just about this whole thing because it's just it's just an ugly situation unfortunately because you're talking about a guy that for so many people in 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 you know our generation that were wrestling fans you know they grew up with hulk hogan was a hero and again it, it's it's the character that's a hero but you know the, you know it, it, it's another one of those unfortunate reminders that be careful who your heroes are but also that we're not kids anymore that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate situation where you go, wow, this is real life. And, and, you know, this was at a point in his life for people that don't know that his, his wife had uh, divorced him or was, had left him uh, and was, uh, you know, working on divorcing him. 
His son uh, had been in a car accident le- that left uh, a, a friend of his son's permanently disabled. Um, you know, he, he was losing his money, losing his house. He was drinking. He was on uh, prescription pills, um, really abusing prescription pills. He had contemplated suicide multiple times. Um, and, and since then, he has found he has found religion. He has turned his life around. Um, you know, so so everybody kind of gets that second chance thing. But unfortunately, in his second chance is where this bad stuff uh, comes to light. You know, in time, I, I hope that um, you know people can just get past. It. I mean, yes, it's an ugly, um, it is an ugly situation, it's an unfortunate situation. But uh, you know, hopefully for him and for everybody involved, um, that uh, it can it can it can quickly um, you know people can quickly move on and uh, forget about it. Um, but again, thank you to Anthony for the uh, for the tweet there about that, and, and I do think that that is why there is a separation between you know the, the Hulk Hogan getting the flack versus. Uh, why people don't give uh, Kramer the flack. Let's move on to some college football here, Andrew. Um, you know, obviously, when you looked at Ohio State winning the national championship last year and you had what was going to be a three-man race at the quarterback position going into this season, um, you know, months ago, I had said that I thought that um, that I thought it would be in Braxton Miller's best interest to either transition to running back or leave Ohio State. Um, on July 9th, he proclaimed that Ohio State is, quote, where I started and this is where I'm going to finish, um, and had also uh, declared himself totally healthy from the shoulder injury that cost him all of last year. Um you know, right there said to me, well, then this is a guy that should be leaving or, or leaving the quarterback position, that he should be, you know, transitioning to what I thought would be a smart move to wide receiver. I know years ago, probably going back 10 to 12 years ago now, um, Notre Dame quarterback Arnez Battle had transitioned to wide receiver and actually ended up having a good career at wide receiver and actually played for the 49ers. Uh, for a couple of seasons. So um, he uh, he has now said that he plans on transitioning um, to kind of an H-back wide receiver position. And to me, Andrew, this is the smartest decision he could have possibly made because I, I don't think it would have been smart when you have two young guys at quarterback in, in um, was it Barrett and Cardale Jones, what would be the point of putting Braxton Miller, and Braxton Miller back into that starting quarterback role for one season? This is the best move for Braxton Miller and, quite frankly, for Ohio State because if you ask me, and this is taking nothing away from Braxton Miller as a quarterback, but, I mean, depending how he adjusts to the position during camp and getting ready for the season, he might be more dangerous as a receiver than he is ever was as a quarterback. No, it was absolutely the best possible move and the smartest move. Um, Braxton Miller's strength was certainly never his arm. I mean, he wasn't a terrible throwing quarterback, but he doesn't have the cannon that uh, Cardell Jones have, 
has, and he doesn't have the accuracy that uh, Barrett has. What you remember the most about Braxton Miller when he was a quarterback is how he would just use his legs and turn into, you know, something as slippery as an eel to try and bring down in the open field. You know, not that uh, Jones or, um, you know, or anybody else can't run when Ohio State's quarterback core, but Braxton Miller was in a league of his own. I, I don't think he ever had much of a chance in the NFL as a quarterback. I think um, no matter where he would have been drafted, regardless of his shoulder injuries, I think he would have been swapped over to either wide receiver or running back or, you know, the uh, or as a wildcat player. And, I you know, I, I would be very surprised if Urban Myers doesn't tap into that at all this year, although he probably thought about that four months ago because he's Urban Meyer and I'm just Andrew. But um, it, it was definitely the best move. And, you know, I, I didn't want to think about it at the time because I was just hoping he'd leave and get out of the Big Ten and not harass Penn State anymore. But um, it, it was by far the best move he could have made and it it really because I, I think he he could also work as uh urban meyer's hybrid age back with his speed and uh, that's going to be a really really even i mean not that their offense wasn't already scary to try and stop but it, it upgrades him from scarily scary to truly terrifying at this point yeah it, it, it certainly does and, and now of course the question comes up is who is going to be the starter for Ohio State, and to me, it has to be Cardell Jones. I mean, he, he he is older. Yes, he has less of a resume because he threw Barrett out there, but Barrett is only going into his second year, whereas, uh, you know, the, Cardell Jones is going to be a junior this year, and, uh, you know, by by all by all uh, accounts, I think, is the, is the better quarterback. I mean, you're talking about a guy that had no, hardly no game experience, uh, came into uh, the, the Ohio State and won the Big Ten championship, and then uh, the the first ever college football playoff and wins a national title. Um, I think the guy has proven that he has the guts to play, that he has the talent to play, and in my in my opinion, is the right choice for the, the Ohio State Buckeyes to start out the year as their quarterback. Andrew, if you are Urban Meyer, who who is your starting quarterback week one this year? Well, if I'm Urban Meyer, I think I actually make the rare. I, I think I make the rare decision where you actually can run a quarterback by committee, swapping them in and out, and I don't think it actually hurts the team. Nine point eight times out of ten, that's a terrible idea, and the offense can never get in a groove and a rhythm. But these two, but these two quarterbacks are just so dynamic. And they're so good that it could certainly work. Um, as far as Jones versus Barrett, if I have to pick one, um, oh man, this is tough. I mean, it, it, you know, was Cardell Jones amazing in the postseason? Absolutely. And he got um, Elliott sprung like nobody else was able to do all year because his cannon arm forced the secondary out of the box. But you know, I actually kind of like Barrett just a little better because Barrett's a little bit more accurate in his throws. 
he can still run the ball. He doesn't bruise like Jones does, so I think that also puts him at less risk of an injury, although, the, you know, the freak ankle injury being what it was. Um, I, you know, I think he can run the offense better than Jones does. I think he has a better grasp on the playbook, and I think he can rally the troops better than um, Cardell Jones would because we've never actually seen – Cardell Jones have to play in a very, very tight game. I mean, it, all, all the games were, you know, Ohio State was either right there, you know, they were never down by long or for long portions of time. That's that's why I think I'd edge towards Barrett, but really, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's quarterback by committee to start the year. It certainly could be and see which guy uh, grabs hold of the position and runs with it or throws with it, however you want to, uh, however you want to say it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see, you know, and obviously college camps are soon starting up. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're only a, probably less than a month now until uh, the first college games of the season. Uh, Andrew, before we jump into our golf topic, uh, just a very cool news. I know you just saw it on Twitter as well. Uh, Devin still, uh, just tweeted out, uh, just, he said, just the email I needed headed into camp. The test from today came back negative, of course, relating to his daughter, Leah. So what an awesome thing, awesome news for him and for his family uh, as, they, as he gets ready to start camp with the Bengals uh, here ca- coming up this week. Absolutely, and I hope whenever this dance-off occurs between uh, Leah and Steph Curry's daughter, I'm pushing for Leah the whole way, and not just because Devin still is a Penn State player. Yeah, I mean it's it's just been uh, you know what what a um, I mean just a, a a gripping story that people have just um, just really grabbed a hold of uh, you know the attention of you know the 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 sports public and um, you know so we we of course wish uh, her and and Devin and their entire family nothing but the best and uh, you know hope that uh, her uh, health continues to. Uh, to be good. Odd situation this weekend on the PGA Tour during the RBC Canadian Open, uh, Andrew. Robert Allenby fired his caddy mid-round uh, after having uh, some sort of uh, disagreement or on-course uh, argument uh, over something. I didn't really get the details on what that was. First off, such a weird, weird story. This is the guy, the guy of course, that back... Um, earlier uh this year that uh you know was allegedly kidnapped back in uh january in hawaii and then there was things that were uh, brought up that the things came into question about whether or not he actually was kidnapped and whether or not the whole story was true well the caddy in question that was fired uh this past weekend mick uh Mid- midlamo um, something like that. Something like that has now said, um, speaking to News Corp Australia, he said that uh, he questioned uh, Allenby's claim that he was drugged, beat up, kidnapped, robbed, and left several miles away um, f- from the uh, the bar that he was at in uh, Hawaii back in January. And of course, my iPad's freezing again. Now here we go. Now we're getting it. Um, but uh, Nope, I lied. It, it is it locked up on me again here. But um, 
just a just a strange story. First off, for a caddy to be fired mid round, but second off, um, you know, for for now this to be be called in question, just Anthony, is this one of the worst? Excuse me, Andrew, is this one of the weirdest uh, stories? I mean, not only to come out of golf, but uh, come out of sports in a, in quite a while. Uh, that's that's the understatement of the day, I think. Uh, uh, first of all, by the way, get an Android tablet. They work better than the iPads, too. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever heard this happening before. I mean, this is something that seems like it would be straight out of Happy Gilmore. You know, firing your caddy mid-round, picking a random guy out of the crowd to grab your bag and carry, you know, and carry it for the rest of the day. Now, I was reading back through the article. I pulled it up on the computer, and it looks like you know, it looks like there's definitely a lot of back and forth between him and the caddies, and nobody really knows what happened yet. And I think the PGA is still, um, I think they're still investigating this, you know, because that's, you know, the, something's going to happen. We'll have to see what happens. But uh, uh, from what I've heard also, um, Alan B has had problems with caddies before. So, you know, if that's the case, is anyone ever going to want to carry the bag for this guy again? Um, I know I certainly want it. I mean, I I, I kind of think uh, you know the the mid round firing makes me think of Happy Gilmore when, uh, which first off for anybody that golfs, the the scene where it's um, where Shooter McGavin says to his caddy, you know what what are you thinking here? And the the caddy says five iron. He goes five iron. Uh, hand me my wedge, and he, you know, chips, chips it in. First off, what caddy on the pro tour is going to be so far off that he's saying five iron, and the guy <laughs> hits a freaking wedge? Um, I think he would have meant nine iron, but that's neither here nor there. But, but I, you know, honestly, this this was the first thing that came to my mind when I heard a caddy got fired mid round. But, uh, you know, I personally wouldn't want a caddy for the guy, you know, because. You know, it seems like he's a hothead. He seems like he doesn't respect the guy that that's on the bag for him. And I understand that these guys, um, you know, the, the the golfers are the you know probably the more knowledgeable, obviously more knowledgeable of, of their abilities in and out. But there has to be a trust with the caddy. There has to be ability to say, uh, you know, to ask for a second opinion or you know what what can I you know what can I do here. You know what? What should I do here? What do you? What would you do here? What do you think uh, would be the best option for me here? It's always good to have a second opinion. I know there's times when I'm out on the course that you know I'll call one of the guys over if I have you know a 30 foot putt, which happens pretty much every hole. Um, if I have a 30 foot putt, I'll say you know I think it breaks about here after about 10 feet and here after about another eight. What do you think? And I'll just kind of have them confirm with me sometimes what I what it is that I'm looking at so that it's always good to have a second opinion but you have to trust the person uh, that is there and that is there holding the bag and quite frankly um, I wouldn't be comfortable doing the job no I'd have a I'd have a hard time with that I mean <laughs> you fire a guy mid-round I mean that's going to get around I mean I know he said I'm going to make sure you never get hired again for a PGA golfer yeah, you can try that, but if you already have that reputation as a hot-headed golfer that doesn't get along with 
with your caddy, who's really going to take your advice for who I should hire for the next round? Um, and, you know, look at how many golfers have great relationships with their caddies. You know, somebody like Phil Mickelson. I mean, they've been together for a very long time, and I think Phil trusts his caddy's judgment almost as much, if not more, than his own judgment sometimes. Well, right. So, and you look at you look at you know what what Tiger Woods went through since he's since he's not been with Butch Hartman. How many caddies? How many swing coaches has he gone through? And look how how different his ability and his game has been. And the guys that have been with Butch have been successful. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, it's important. It makes a difference. Yeah, it cert- it certainly certainly does. So, uh, just a weird weird story, and uh, you know something that I you know I guess we'll kind of keep an eye out to see if there's anything new uh, new on it. But, Andrew, another big thing coming this week is the Major League Baseball trade deadline just a few days away now. Um, and and some some pretty, pretty big moves here in the last uh, 24 to 36 hours. Um, one of the big ones, the Blue Jays getting shortstop Troy Tulowitzki uh, and LaTroy Hawkins. Uh, the Rockies get Jose Reyes, Miguel Castro, Jeff Hoffman and Jesus Tanako. I know you posted. I was it you. I think you posted about yeah, this on me. our fa- Facebook page. Yeah, it was yeah. Me. G- g- give your thoughts on this trade because this is one. Um, you know that, that you see the Blue Jays as a team that uh, you know is kind of on the bubble, whether or not they can make a run, and this certainly uh, turns their team into a much better team uh, going forward. Well, it's a huge, it's a huge boost for the Blue Jays. I'll get to that in a second. I was initially really, really surprised that the Rockies made this trade. Um, they had said for a while that uh, Gonzalez and Tulowitzki they were not going to trade unless the exact right offer came along. I'm not I, obviously Reyes is not the reason why they pulled the trigger on this. It was it, it, obviously it's the pitching prospects. Um, because the Rockies, for whatever reason, through the draft, they are not able to develop pitchers. And is it due to the altitude? Is it due to this? You know, nobody's really sure if they just need to revamp their whole minor system. Nobody's really sure about that. Um, but this is a huge, huge addition for the Blue Jays. First of all, the Blue Jays are not usually interested in rental players. They've made that very clear over the years and how they traded. And Tulo's not going to be that. I think he signed through 2020. And at a fairly reasonable terms for an all-star shortstop, I don't think it goes above 20 mil a year at all. Um, Reyes, he's been a shell of himself. His speed's mostly gone by his leg injuries. His defense, which is pretty crappy when his speed was good, has gotten rather horrific. Tulowitzki's a gold-glove shortstop. So not only are they getting an offensive boost out of it, they're also getting a defensive boost out of it. Now, does Tulowitzki have an injury history? Absolutely he does. Um, But you look at every year, even when he's gone down with injuries, he's still putting up big numbers. He's still hitting in the 300s plus, showing good power. Now we'll have to see how much of that power was because of playing in Colorado in the high altitude. But that, you know... I don't think that could have been the only reason why he's hitting with such a high power, such a high average. So we'll have to see how that translates to the uh, turf up in Toronto. But that was a great trade for the Blue Jays. I mean, they gave up, you know, they gave up some uh, 
minor league prospects, one of them being Miguel Castro. Uh, he's a young guy with a fireball for an arm. I've heard 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, and two more players that I still don't think they've announced who they're going to be yet. I'm assuming that it's going to be at least a high-level prospect, if not a, another top-level prospect, due to the number of years left and the abilities of Tulowitzki. Um, but I... I was really surprised to see this trade go through because the Rockies have been bad for how long, and they haven't been willing to give Tulowitzki up yet. So uh, that tells me that there's got to be something big coming coming in the last couple players to be named. So we'll have to keep an eye out on that. Yeah, certainly will. Um, And then a, a fairly large one, at least, I think for what it can mean for the Washington Nationals, Coming through this afternoon, uh, pitcher Jonathan Papelbon from the Phillies in cash considerations uh, for pitcher Nick Pavetta. Um, there was obviously there was a tr- no trade clause in Papelbon's contract. He said he would he would uh, not allow any trade to go through if he wasn't going to be the closer. Uh, he he is going to be the closer in Washington and uh, and, and moves. To the to the Nationals team, uh, which I think can uh, you know improve their bullpen, improve their closing ability uh, for this year. When when you have a team that obviously uh, wants to make some sort of a run towards um, postseason success, that has eluded them over the past couple seasons. And Andrew, what are your thoughts on the Papel bond to the uh, Nationals deal? I was surprised by the Nationals to Papelbon, to be completely honest with you. Um, Drew Storen was having a very good year as closer for the Nationals. I want to say he was something like uh, 27 for 29 or something ridiculous like that. Uh, you know, it's not like, it's not like he was uh, 29 for 31. It's not like he was struggling for them. Um, I. It, it uh, doesn't make the bullpen better. Yes, I, I'm again. I'm a little confused by why they would jump on that. Although I think at this point, I think the Phillies were going to take whoever offered because um, teams had really cooled off to any kind of uh, Papelbon move ever since they ever since um, the front manage the front office upheaval has started. Uh, teams have been less likely to go after Philadelphia players from what I've noticed so they were probably jumping for anything they can the big thing for the trade was the nationals said they would you know papelbon would have gone if they wouldn't have um a made him full-time closer and two guaranteed his uh option for next year which they did both so good for papelbon to get both of those things and i am glad that he finally gets to go pitch for a contender although he's another guy i wouldn't have been too upset if he would have gotten out of my division yeah, absolutely. I know there was a, a guy I was uh, discussing on Twitter a little bit earlier. He said to him, it doesn't make sense trading within your division, which I said usually is the case. But in the case of the Phillies this year, um, you know, they're they're just trying to roster dump. They're trying to blow the thing up and kind of start over. So what does it really matter for the Phillies if you have to, you know, deal uh, with, with Papelbon a few more times this season? You know, with, with only two months left in the season, you may only see them one or two more series. Um, and really, for the Phillies, it doesn't matter uh, anyway. Before we get into some of the standings talk, what a wild night it is in New York. The, the Texas Rangers uh, had gone up 5 nothing 
over the Yankees in the in the uh, well, I guess it, it would have been it's in Texas in the bottom of the first, but then the Yankees turn around, score eleven in the uh, top of the second, and have now uh, it is in the top of the sixth. Uh, this game was only in the second inning. Over an hour into the game, uh, it is still going on. It is still only in the top of the sixth inning. The Yankees have now scored 19 unanswered runs on 18 hits. They are leading the Rangers 19 to five after trailing five nothing. <laughs> yeah, after trailing five nothing at the end of one, they are now up 19 to five. So uh, I'm sure there's uh, I'm sure there's some uh, adult beverages flowing in the uh in the in the great state of Texas uh this evening. Um another brutal. note I saw another note I saw from ESPN stats and info. Uh they've got nineteen runs on eighteen hits. And it's yeah. the first time the Yankees if they score one more it'll be the first time they've had twenty or more runs since two thousand eleven. Wow. So yeah, holy yeah, that's, crap. That that's not a number that gets hit a whole lot and you gotta think you know, if they've scored yeah, nine, nineteen through six, you got to figure it's a pretty good chance that they're going to score at least one more. So, uh, pretty wild there, Andrew. We're kind of getting to crunch time now when it comes to these playoff races in baseball. I know uh, we've talked uh, earlier in the season about you know how much do series really mean and how much do uh, you know individual games really mean. Well, it's really starting to add up, and you you know you look at like the American League East that you have Toronto, Baltimore, and Tampa a half game apart from each other, seven games out of first, uh, seven and a half for Tampa, three and three and a half respectively. Uh, they're out of the wild card spot. Um, you know, in, in what is turning out to be a pretty tight race, uh, you have the, the Nationals, the Mets, and Atlanta, all within seven games. Uh, Pittsburgh still six and a half out. I mean, they're two and a half up in the wild card, but, you know, you got to think there's some frustration there. You have the, the Giants climbing. They're only a half game back. So you're starting to hit these points where, um, you know, these games, these series, and especially when they're in the division, really, really start to mean something. Um, you know, do, do we see, Andrew, in your opinion, do we see a lot of change at the top of the divisions? I mean, uh, there's only three divisions out of six. So you have your divisions now. Um are within a couple of games, then you have other ones that are seven, eight, or more. Um, do, do those divisions that have the seven, seven or eight game lead differentials, do we see, do we see any changes in them or, you know, or, or the Yankees and Kansas city and St. Louis, are they, are you, they're kind of shoot into uh, division champions. Uh, right now, the only team that I'm going to guarantee through is the Royals um, because they also just added Zobrist from the Athletics as well to shore yeah. up the roster a little more. So I think the Royals are going to turn and burn now. I, I, I think they're going to be okay. Nothing against the Twins. They're having a great season, but I don't. I, I think the Royals are going to have the best record in the AL when it's all said and done. As far as the AL East goes, I, I, I know it's a six-and-a-half game lead. I'm not really confident in any of the four teams being that much better than any of the other teams, um, especially now that Toronto's out of Tulowitzki. Um, I watched your Orioles uh, beat my hapless Braves into a pulp tonight. So, um, 
you know, when those bats are going, that's a scary ball club. I mean, I, I don't think, the, as much as it'd be nice to say the Yankees are through, I don't think the Yankees are through, at least not unscathed. Obviously, the AL West is going to be a dogfight between Houston and the Angels the, West, the rest of the way. Um, I, I appreciate you throwing the Braves in there at seven games out, but it's not going to happen. Uh, the starting pitching is okay. The bullpen is absolutely horrific. It, it's not going to happen this year. We're, we're looking towards the new ballpark in a year or two. <laughs> Um, but the Mets, the thing with the Mets, they can't score runs. So I, I am actually tempted, even though it's a one-game lead, to say the Nationals will likely, bearing some unforeseen, you know, tragic falling apart of the team, I, I think the Nationals are going to hold on to the East. Um, in the Central, the Cardinals are absolutely um, – I don't want to call them a lock right now, even though they've got – are they still the best record? Yeah, they've got the best record in baseball. I don't want to call them a lock yet, though, because I, I think I think Theo Epstein and the Cubs have something sneaky planned, and it, and with them pushing up the wild card standings, they're going to push the Pirates, who are also going to push the Cardinals. I, th- I think they probably will, but I don't want to call the Central yet. And then, yeah, the NL West, I mean, that's, that's going to be a dogfight between the Dodgers and the Giants trying to grab anybody they can at the – at the deadline to uh, try and sneak in. I mean, in the last, the Giants are nine and one in the last ten, riding a six-game hitting streak. Uh, they're the hottest team in baseball right now. I, I don't think anybody in their right mind wants to face the Giants right now. No, absolutely not. A guy at work and I uh, were talking about it, and he's a he's a Cardinals fan. He's like, he just said, he, he's like, damn, I, I really, really, really. Uh, hope that the the Giants do not get into the postseason, he said, because it's just one of those things that that absolutely scared the holy hell out of him to see that those guys uh, get in, and um, and and you know they could do some damage. Andrew, last thing on baseball tonight: Do you think that uh, before the deadline we see any more major moves, or are the yes. major moves completed? No, we're still going to see major moves. Uh, um, Mike Leake, still, still, I think Cincinnati's going to trade him at some point. James Shields and David Price are likely to move at some point as well. Um, I, You know what? I don't think Cole Hamels is going to go anywhere. I don't think the Phillies are going to get the King's ransom that they want for him. And I think they're going to I, – I, I, I think he's going to stay. Is it possibly moves? Sure, I think he's going to stay. Um, I think Craig Kimbrell will move as well. I, I don't think the Padres hold on to him if they get the right offer. Um, as far as the role as Chapman, the uh, closer of the Reds, they've already you know they've already gotten rid of one pitcher, another one on the way out. He's probably likely to go as well. Um, the closer market isn't so bad, so I don't know. All right, the it's usually a pretty settled position at this point. I'm not really too worried about most of them moving, like I said, other than maybe Kimbrell and Chapman. Um, another couple names to look out for, Tyson Ross and Andrew Kashner. The Padres really want to move um, all three of those starters, Shields, Ross, and Kashner. Shields, I don't think, is going to move as much as hard as they try unless they're willing to eat a lot of his salary because his numbers are down across the board. But uh, I, th- I think those are some of the bigger names that are going to that are going to move. 
Um, I don't know that as many hitters are going to move, although certainly the Mets need to, if they want to stay in this, the Mets need to get off get off their behinds and start getting some players because that, that, that team hits worse than a Little League team right now. Yeah, it certainly does. And, Andrew, one more story to talk about tonight, and that is uh, something came out of the NHL last week uh, that brought, obviously, um, some excitement to my attention. The Washington Capitals locking up goaltender Braden Holpe, a, a, a five-year deal worth $30.5 million. Uh, Braden Holpe, uh, 25 years old, will be 26 in September, right before the new season starts. Um, you know, a guy that last season – uh, just absolutely, um, you know, came into his own and, you know, played 73 out of 82 games in the regular season, won 41 games. He played the most games, was second in the league in wins, first in the league in uh, shots attempt, uh, seventh in the league save percentage, fifth in the league goals against average, second in shutouts. In the postseason, I mean, his his worst statistical category was goals against and that was seventh in the league um just just had a great run despite the capitals not uh, um only playing 13 uh, games in the regular season the capitals uh, you know turning to a guy that now looks like he is coming into the prime of his career and for the first time since olaf kolzig looked like they have a guy that can carry them uh and can carry a team on his back towards a um towards you know what what could hopefully be their first Stanley Cup. Um I am personally thrilled to see Braden Holby sign with the Capitals and, and, and they, they got that deal locked up. They have a great backup and, and I've I've often talked about this window that the Capitals have with Ovechkin and Backstrom and and the guys that they have and, and they, they've they've already made moves this offseason getting T J Oshi, getting Justin Williams, getting rid of Mike Green not getting rid of Mike Green, but not re-signing Mike Green. Um, they are doing the things that I believe is some of the proper steps to building a team that could make a run at a Stanley Cup and, and getting Brayton Holpe inked for the bulk of the prime of his career, ages 26 through 31, uh, is absolutely the best decision in the Capitals' interest. Yeah, the Capitals made the right move signing Holpe to that deal. I, I, there aren't too many other goaltenders that you would, you know, if you could, if you were allowed to do a one-on-one trade for any other goaltender in the league, there aren't a whole lot of others that you would trade Holpe for. You know, uh, maybe Lundqvist, maybe maybe Miller, although he's been injured a lot. Um, oh, and the problem with Lundqvist and and Miller is th- those are two guys that are on the tail ends of their career, whereas Braden Holpe, yeah, in the last couple of years may have not had the, 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 the same numbers or playoff numbers, but he is coming in to the, you know, the years that, that Miller and, and Lundquist have done their damage, those are the years that Holpe is now moving into. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, that's it's a huge pickup, and you're I think you're absolutely right about their window. It, it's not as big as most Capitals fans, I think, would hope it to be, so they need to push and make this move now, um, and this this is the right move in doing so. Now, I have to say, though, uh, as an Avalanche fan, man, I wouldn't trade Varlamov for Holtby. Uh, Patrick Watson's pretty magical things with Varlamov. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, the the, the Capitals. I mean, and, and the thing that is overlooked too with Holby is the the goaltending coach. They changed this year a guy that is known as the uh, the goaltender whisperer, the goalie whisperer, and um, the, the difference in Braden Holby's play, and quite frankly, in Braden Holby's mindset. I mean, so many of the uh, so many of the of the stories around Holby had to do with these kind of rituals and routines, which all goalies have, but that almost over overrode anything Holtby did on the, uh, on the, on the ice where now the, the, this year, the story was about how well he was playing. And, and I think he kind of settled into his game, settled into his head a little bit and didn't psych himself out because there was so many times in, in the previous couple of seasons where Holtby was in net and he gave up a goal in the first, you know, I don't know, five minutes of the game, then you knew it was over. Then, I, I, you know, I always said, I'd look at my wife and say they need to pull him now because if they don't, it's going to be, you know, three, four, or five more goals. And a lot of times it was. But this year, you know, if he gave up an early goal, he very quickly rebounded and, uh, and, and didn't let it destroy him. And I think it was a, a big key in the Capitals' success. And, uh, you know, under first year uh, or first year head coach with the Capitals, Barry Trotz, they've, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely making strides in the right direction. Yeah, they are. This is going to be a dangerous Capitals team to watch, that's for sure. Um, I'm glad I'm in the Western Conference. Yeah, Andrew, uh, and uh, that's all I have, uh, you know, and uh, just a few minutes early this year or this week, but uh, let everybody know where they can follow you on Twitter and interact with you, uh, especially coming into the NFL season. On Twitter, it's at PyroLord, P-Y-R-L-O-R-D-314. And a quick shout-out to uh, John Smoltz. Congratulations on getting into the Hall of Fame and getting the Braves three reunited. Uh, absolutely, man. So uh, have a good one, Andrew. We'll talk to you again soon. Take it easy, Jim. And uh, thanks to Andrew again for co-hosting. Thanks to Mitch for his call. We did appreciate that. It was a good call and got me at least thinking about who will be my Super Bowl pick uh, this this upcoming fall, this upcoming season. Uh, so thank you again for that. Thank you all for listening. Again, we are here at NGSCSports.com. Visit the site uh, and also podcast the shows by going to Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app by searching NGSC. You can also visit my show site directly, ngscsports.com slash big-gym-sports, and uh, check it, check out the show there. We're syndicated on the arenasportsnet.com Fridays, or uh, excuse me, Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Jim Sports, Facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports. Give us a like over there. And we are here live on NGSC Sports each and every Tuesday night at 11, or excuse me, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you for listening, folks. Have a great week. And as always, go for the win.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.